You know, the culture is actually damn good. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hey, where y'all at? This is Trafalgar Square. Mr. and Mr. North of South American, all the ships at sea, let's go to press. Have you been drinking? It was a good show, huh? During the workday, when you feel possessed by amorous intent, may I suggest that you suppress it? Hey! 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 Hey, how you doing? Let's get in the conference room. I would like to invite everyone into the conference room. I would like to have a meeting in the conference room right now. I know for a fact that nobody in the Parks Department reads letters. Does everybody have to be crazy today? Now get me Savian! Sportsunary.com Radio Network back on the air. We are glad that you're with us. Welcome to the Bob Matthews Podcast. As always, you can find us on the iHeartRadio app as well as the Sports Journey website and Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, and wherever fine podcasts are sold. Jam-packed show today because, well, it's minicamp time. Yep, mandatory minicamp for the Washington football team started today, and we will take you inside the locker room, exclusive locker room access. You will hear from Chase Young Montez Sweat, Logan Thomas, and head coach Ron Rivera, among others. And we also got Stephen Goff of the Washington Post coming up here in a couple of minutes. Stephen Goff writes football, but not the American style, the European style. Because if you missed it on Sunday night, uh, the U.S. men's soccer team had an epic, epic game uh, with Mexico. Now, there are so many levels to this thing because of the fact that it's, and Stephen will explain a lot of it because of the fact that uh, it's a brand new competition. This was the first time it was held. However, if you happen to have missed it, the U.S. beat Mexico, its biggest rival in the soccer world, by a score of 3-2 to two in extra time. And it included so many dramatic moments, including the fact uh, that the U.S. Uh, stopped a penalty shot for Mexico literally in the closing seconds. Coming into the game, coming into this tournament, the League of Nations Cup tournament, the expectations were really high for the U.S. because now, unlike uh, in years and generations past, there are a bunch, there are a ton of young, good young American soccer players that are playing in Europe. And that's significant because that's where the action is. If you didn't know, and I think most of you probably do, the best soccer leagues in the world are in Europe. The best one, obviously, is in England and the Premier League. One of the stars of the Premier League is a guy named Christian Pulisic, who is from America, grew up in Pennsylvania, and he plays uh, for Chelsea. He uh, helped Chelsea win the UEFA Champions League this year. Plus, uh, you've got Gio Reyna, who is Claudio Reyna's uh, son, um, and a host of other big, big stars over in Europe that just happen to be American. So the expectation was that they should win this tournament and this game. This was a big game because Mexico, obviously, has been an international soccer power for years. It had beaten the U.S. in the last couple of matchups of the two. And this was the first time that this young American squad got to play a very seasoned, experienced, and talented Mexico squad. Then the game starts. Uh, a defensive miscue means that the U.S. Uh, gives up a goal literally in the first minute of the game. And you think, oh, crap. And then Mexico, a little bit later, scores what they think is the second goal of the game. You're not coming back in the first half down two goals to Mexico. Well, virtual replay disallowed the goal because of an offside. 
So the U.S. gets a reprieve there. They come back. They tie it up. It seesaws back and forth until they go into extra time. It's, you know, it's three, it's two, two, you go to extra time. Um, and Christian Pulisic scores on a penalty shot to make it three, two in the closing minutes of it. Well, no, in extra time, I think we're about seven minutes left at that point. Well, then Mexico gets a, uh, a penalty is awarded a penalty kick in with, with literally with seconds remaining and, they uh, and and they stop the Americans stop it. If all that's not enough, um, you've got the goaltending situation for the U.S. You got this guy named Zach Steffen, right? He's a really good goalkeeper, I think. And and Stephen will will correct will will check me on this, but he is the backup goalkeeper for I believe it's Man City. Just so happened to win the Premier League, right, and go to the Champions League finals. Well. He hurts his knee halfway, midway through the second half. So they got to bring on a guy named Ethan Horvath, who, again, the backup goaltender. Kind of like in hockey. If you're the number two goaltender that night, you're pretty much not planning on playing. Well, he had to come in. And not only did he stop the penalty kick from the captain of the Mexican team, Andres Cordado, but he also made a couple of huge saves late in the second half just to get the game into extra time. It was absolutely incredible. Here's Christian Pulisic, who got the game-winning goal right after the game. Christian, you had a lot of time to think before you took that penalty kick, and you collected it up for 90. What was going through your minds? No, I said I'm going to go out swinging, so I'm going to just put this top bins, and I'm going I'm to go for it. And sure enough, it went in. And it worked, so the accuracy is on point, even Though you got delayed coming from Porto, it's been a long week. How does that feel for you? Champions League winner on a Saturday, and just give it a couple more days, and now you're a CONCACAF Nations League winner with your country. Man, just is the perfect way to end the year, honestly. I'm so proud. I'm so proud of this group, and uh, we, we needed everyone today, and it was phenomenal performance. You told Ethan something right before they took the penalty kick. I saw you pointing at your head. Did you feel like that moment was yours, even though Guardado had the opportunity to send it to PKs afterwards? No, I, it's all Ethan, man. I, I knew he was going to save it. I was so confident in him, and uh, he's, he's, a, he's a great. He does a great job on penalties, and I knew that, so I was confident. For more on the Nations League final, we bring in Stephen Goff, soccer insider for the Washington Post. And Stephen, thanks as always for joining us. I appreciate it. Uh, ha have you? come down from the high on this yet <laughs> it was quite a night um i mean this was uh you know u.s mexico soccer matches are always an event a scene and this was uh this was one of the this is one of the biggest in a, in a long series of, of clashes between these teams um it was you know it was great theater yeah uh, and uh uh, all kinds of crazy things happened and uh you know the the game itself was 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 spectacular they um i i had an early meeting on monday but i got completely sucked into this game and so they're an extra time and it's going past midnight i know i'm gonna get about five five hours worth of sleep because you know <laughs> i'm not gonna be able to sleep afterwards it's so exciting and the one thought that crept into my mind at that point was 
this freaking game is wrecking my life. <laughs> that's our that's our first escape to victory reference of this of this interview. Yeah, good. <laughs> uh, let me ask from from a, a, a perspective from a journalist perspective. I'm watching this. I, I I like soccer. I am not the aficionado that you are. I can't. I, I can. I watch the games. I appreciate the games, but I don't know the intricacies of it. But um, just from the standpoint of just a, a sporting event, I mean, my God, the drama in this thing. I mean, the buildup for one was huge because I, you know, there was talk of this being. America's golden generation of soccer players and all yeah. of the U.S. players that played overseas had really good seasons, apparently, in yep. Europe. Christian Pulisic just won the Champions League, Champions League final with Chelsea. Yep. Uh, I mean, at what point did you realize this could be one of those those classic watershed games there? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's the final of an event uh, of a tournament. Now, certainly this isn't, uh, you know, this is a new competition that was created. Um, I won't bog you down with the details, but this, this, this first this tournament, time. yeah, it doesn't have any history. Um, so it's not, a, it's not as important as say, um, uh, you know, world cup qualifying, uh, or the gold cup, which is the true regional, uh, championship, which will actually take place later this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's your backdrop. There's something at stake. Uh, you have two teams with, um, a deep history, the two strongest programs in this part of the world. Um, and, uh, you know, they've, they've, uh, they've crossed paths a few times and it's usually pretty intense. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you know, you, you knew this was going to be something, uh, unique because Mexico scores 62 seconds into the game, right? And so this young U.S. team is behind. Uh, they're playing in Denver, but you know, as is common with any Mexican national team game played in the United States, the fans are backing Mexico. So um, you know, they're they're going up against a lot, uh, and then they fall behind two nothing. Except the goal is disallowed on video replay, uh, which is something that's been introduced to soccer in in the last few years. So if you're down two nothing in the first half against Mexico, um, you're pretty much finished. Uh, But they bounce back and they get an equalizer in the first half. And that really set us on a path to a back and forth second half. um, And some, you know, some spectacular events taking place in the closing moments that forced us into extra time or more commonly known as overtime. Um, pretty amazing night. How, um, uh, before I, before I ask you about, uh, about some of the, the players that, that starred for the U S you mentioned something that was interesting to me in the fact that, and, and again, this is a new competition. This was the inaugural, I guess, finals of this, of this nation's cup um, in Mexico was the Mexican national team, you know, did they did they have their strongest team on the field, or you know, did were we yes. beating a team that was so? It wasn't as if we we beat Mexico's B team or anything like no, that. No, no, both. You know, the both teams had their uh, full rosters. I mean, obviously, both teams were missing some players because of injury. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, nah, this was a. Uh, these were first teams. These were the top teams. Um, 
you know, this is an official competition. So um, coaches were able to call up whoever they pleased. And, um, you know, we saw, we saw top performances by both sides. Um, there are instances during the year where you do have watered down rosters because they don't fall in official uh, FIFA windows mm-hmm. and club teams are allowed to uh, turn down those requests. This was not one of them. This was, uh, this were, these were the best players for each side uh, with a few exceptions. And, and as a guy who watches a, a huge amount of soccer, I mean, did it, it, did it look like Mexico was, you know, was, was going all out. And I only ask that in terms of, I know, when you talk about English football, a lot of times, uh, you know, clubs would say, uh, you know, the, um, the EFL trophy, which is, I guess, the Carabao Cup now, yeah. you know, you've got teams that say, ah, you know, so we lost that big deal because it's not as important as the FA Cup. I mean, did it seem to you like, like, Mexi- like the Mexican uh, lineup was giving it its A game? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this, you know, there's nothing else on the backside. You know, when you're talking about club competitions, there's a balance. Um, between, um, you know, putting together a roster and, and giving your full effort uh, for a midweek cup competition mm-hmm. because you also have to consider the weekend uh, league matches. Uh, but, you know, this was a standalone event. Um, you know, there's, there's uh, regional bragging rights at stake. Uh, Mexico never lo- likes to lose to the United States, which has made, you know, gains over the last 20, 30 years in in the sport um and so you know it's it's it is one of the world's great rivalries i think we can we can say that it's been that way for a while now um they play regularly and um it's intense and they're they're going there's a pretty good chance they'll play again later this summer in the gold cup uh with different uh rosters and then they will definitely meet twice home and away um during world cup qualifying which begins this fall and will run through next spring to help determine uh which teams from Concacaf will qualify for the uh 2022 world cup in Qatar. and i think there's three and a half slots available from Concacaf, right yeah um you know u.s mexico heavily favored mm-hmm. um but you know uh u.s missed out four years ago and right. uh that's part of what's fueling this um this rebuilding process and the you know the hunger and the fire that you're seeing from these players who feel like they have something to prove not only as individuals um but as a program which really went through some hard times after the failure to qualify for the 2018 world cup in russia how how deep how interesting does this program look like it's becoming i mean they lost Zach Steffen, who, correct me if I'm wrong, also played for Chelsea uh, and won Manchester City. Manchester, City. I'm sorry. Yeah. So a Premier League winning goalie. Um, uh, he, he, was, was, he was in the final. He was the backup goalie for Manchester City um, in their loss to Chelsea in the in the final. In the final, right? Um, but but I mean, but on a rough, he was he was and he was he was on the roster for City. I, I always get my Manchester's confused, but City won the Premier League. He was on the roster um, the entire championship season, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He was the number two keeper for Manchester City. He played in um, – he didn't play much in league competition, but he played in some of the cup games. And, uh, yeah, solid. We got him solid in the final. Game. 
Okay, so so uh, it, it, first off, you know, he gives up uh, the goal there in the in the first minute. Not his fault. It's a defensive mistake. Yeah. Ben leaves with a knee injury. Uh, Ethan Horvath comes in. Here comes the second um, escape to victory reference. Completely stands on his head and kind of resembles Stallone in the second half, and for sure <laughs> at the end of the game when he when he makes the save on the penalty kick there. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it's storybook stuff. Uh, you know, Literally, in this from, case, storybook stuff. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, uh, he was, he's from Denver. Uh, mm-hmm. He plays, he plays in Europe um, with the best team in Belgium. Um, you know, he's, he's the number two keeper on the depth chart. I think a solid number two. Uh, obviously, you don't expect to play um, in this game because, you know, rarely does a goalkeeper have to leave for a red card or injury um and suddenly he's thrust into this this maelstrom in the second half um and you know he uh he allowed a goal uh, well taken by mexico but he also made a heck of a save in the 90th minute right at the end of regulation to force extra time and then he stops a penalty kick um you know with a just a spectacular save he, he read the he read the shooter well, uh, got down and got his hand on it and, um, you know, preserved the lead and ultimately um, preserved the, the championship. So what does it, do you think, say about the depth of this team? I mean, you've got uh, three of your star, your three, three of your biggest stars wind up scoring goals um, in Pulisic, Reyna and McKenney or McKenzie? I know I'm, I always- McKenney. Look- so you know you've got these three stars that show up and 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 score in the finals they you know they win this final uh i mean it it really does seem kind of storybook i mean what do you think it says about their depth is this a a team that can legitimately obviously qualify they're going to be favored to do that again but maybe even make it out of the group stage of a world cup yeah definitely um you know, this is a uh, probably the most talented group of U.S. players we've ever seen, and we're basing that on, uh, you know, where they're playing now as professionals. Um, you know, Manchester City, Chelsea, Barcelona, Juventus, uh, Valencia in in, uh, in in Spain. Um, you know, and that's a young player for Valencia. Yunus Musa, who didn't even get on the field in the Nations League. So, um, you know, yeah, it does speak to the depth. Um, Ethan Horvath is a solid backup, a guy who's in who's in Europe. Um, you know, Tyler Adams, one of the most important players. Um, he was coming off injury and only played as a sub in the final. Uh, so they were able to, you know, fill his, his spot. Um, Tim Weah, who uh, plays for the French champion, Lil um, was a substitute, you know, and years ago, a player with Lil who had previously played for Paris Saint-Germain, um, the, the most famous of all French teams, mm-hmm. he was an auto, he would have been an automatic starter, but given the amount of competition for playing time and roster spots, um, you know, he's a situational player right now. Uh, that's, that's the way it is. And um you know, the quality is rising. Uh, the thing we need to caution about is it's a very young group. It's not a very experienced group in these international tournaments for the U.S. team. They're heading into World Cup qualifying 
it's a it's much different you know playing in a club environment in Europe um, as opposed to going to San Pedro Sula Honduras for a World Cup qualifier where uh, the temperature and the field conditions and the you know the, the fan impact and the travel and the security and all these other issues that uh, American athletes don't really deal with on a day-to-day right. -day basis is, uh, is a factor for soccer players. You saw that, I guess, you, you saw that field condition-wise in that Trinidad and Tobago uh, qualifying game four years ago, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it's just the nature of going to Central America or the Caribbean. Um, you're not always going to play on, in the best conditions. And it's, uh, it's hard. And this is what the U.S. players, a young, young group of U.S. players will go up against. Now, they've, you know, these guys have played on, um, you know, under 17, under 20 national teams. They, they've been around. Uh, but now you're talking about the senior squad and World Cup qualifying where, uh, you know, all the focus is on them and on these matches. Um, and the pressure rises because the U.S. failed four years ago. What's so? What's next for this team? Gold Cup uh, first later this summer, and then World Cup qualifying. Do I have that right? Yeah, Gold Cup is coming this summer. The European players need their break. They've been playing nonstop since late last summer, so very few of the European guys will get called into the Gold Cup roster for the U.S. It'll be a mostly MLS squad, uh, guys who are in season. Um, who get called up from their clubs, um, you know, whether it's Paul Ariola from DC United, for instance, or Chiasi Zardes um, uh, for the Columbus crew and, and, you know, players from all around the league. That, that'll be the core of this squad most likely. Um, and, you know, likely US-Mexico final um, seems, uh, seems in the works, we'll see. Uh, and then World Cup qualifying, where all the best players, uh, whether it's from MLS or Europe, will come together uh, for the qualifiers, three of them in September. Uh, I think it's two or three more in October and then November. So it's a, it's a heavy schedule. And yeah. they got to give the top players some rest this summer before things pick up in the fall. So don't panic if so don't panic if the U.S. doesn't manage to, uh, to win the Gold Cup this summer, it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I... I think Mexico uh, will also have to take into the take those considerations uh, when when um, assembling their Gold Cup squad. Um, these are decisions you have to make, looking ahead and keeping these guys, you know, healthy and fresh. So um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't guarantee a U.S. victory at the Gold Cup. Certainly, they should get to the final. Anything less would be disappointing. But you know, it's a it's a competitive region and, hmm. um, you know, semifinals are difficult as well. The, the, just the, the, the way soccer sets up is just, it's fascinating to me. Stephen Goff, <laughs> yeah. thank, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. We will talk later in the summer as, uh, as we get closer to, uh, to Gold Cup competition. My pleasure, Bob, anytime. All right, time to go out to Ashburn as minicamp has started. And as always, you're behind the scenes. Locker room access brought to you by One Life Fitness, onelifefitness.com. Locations throughout Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. Go to onelifefitness.com. Print you out a day pass. You can go in, 
See everything and sample everything that they have to offer. All right. First up, uh, one person that is missing today. That was missing today because of a small injury. Wide receiver Curtis Samuel. He injured a hamstring last week, so he was held out of practice today, obviously for precautionary reasons. And the big story is the fact that the big guy, number 99, Chase Young, back at practice. Young, of course, missing uh, the voluntary OTAs uh, because, well, they're voluntary. He was working out and taking care of his off-season business, as he told us after practice today. I've been in and out phase one and two. Um, you know, this off-season, I have a, you know, a lot of stuff going on. I did five different shoots um, for, uh, um, for for five different things. Um, so i just been having a lot going on, and, uh, you know, I've communicated with my coaches, and, uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm ready to rock. I came out today, um, was, was playing fast, so I feel good. So, uh, you know, the biggest thing was just communicating with Coach uh, Ron and uh, Del Rio. And uh, as long as I'm locked in with them, they they, they, they they know I'm working. You know, they know I'm not going to go and just, you know, lay down and relax, you know, and be lazy. So, um, you know, I'm a worker, um, and, and Coach know that, so, you know, I'm going to come ready. And considering the fact that you are talking about last year's defensive rookie of the year, the number two pick, and a guy who uh, is no is uh, known for being a a workout fiend and never slacking off, you give him the benefit of the doubt on that. And it, it isn't like you know the old days; things are so sophisticated now. These guys are also, I think, a lot more motivated in the sense that they know they've got these offseason responsibilities, but they know that it's kind of it's why when you say it's a business it kind of works in their favor and that it is good business to stay in shape year round and that's what that's what these players do now and it, it's been that way for it's been that way for a while you know since for at least the last 20 years or so I remember I was going to Waring's gym in the off season in Virginia Beach you'd see Bruce Smith in there every day working out that's why you only need uh, two to really two to three weeks of training camp tops because in the old days, that's why you had six weeks of training camp or or more is because these guys had to get into shape. Now they're coming into camp already in game shape, Uh, hitting shape, maybe not, but certainly in, you know, in great physical shape. Also uh, asked Chase about those off-season workouts. He said, you know, it it was busy, especially fitting all those shoots and the workouts into a 124-hour day. Yeah, man, you know, throughout them shoots and things like that, I would have to work out that morning. And uh, shooting was probably – I work out that morning and shoots. A lot of them would like to start at 10 or well, 9, but I would have to go 10 because uh, my workouts and stuff like that. And they would really go 10 to 6, so I'll probably work out at like 6.37, uh, then pop up at the shoot at 10, and then I'll be on set from like 10 to 6. So that's like a, a day. Oh, that is definitely a day. It looks like we're going to be seeing a lot of Chase Young off the field this season. But he did say that it was nice that he was able to get the benefit of the doubt from his coaches. Um, It, it feels good. And, and you know, Coach, I, I tried to – my first year I tried to display that – um, I can be a responsible um, and, and accountable rookie coming in and just player in general coming in. And, um, you know, that they they seen it and I feel like they just know that 
Um, I'm a guy that's just going to take care of what I have to do and uh, just be accountable with myself. And, uh, you know, I, I love ball, so obviously I'm not going to come in here overweight. I'm, I'm going to come in here right because this is what I do. I like it. I like what Chase has to say there. Uh, as for the defense, as you might imagine, he was quite optimistic about the potential this year. Looking real out there. <laughs> I feel good. You know, we, 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 we looking good on the back end. Back is looking good. Um, guys running around, uh, you know, everybody looking fast out there and uh, just like they know what they're doing. So um, it's going to be a special group, man. I know we was real good last year and, and we added a lot more pieces this year. And uh, I feel like we're we, we going to be very special. Have you had a chance to talk much with Jamin? I mean, I know you, you dealt with him some after he was drafted, but has there been much interaction in the time? Yeah, yeah, out, out, out on the field today, um, definitely just trying to give him little pieces just to think about why he's out on the field. Um, I know he was laughing at me today because I was telling people to run off run off the field. He was like, yeah, you, you real serious? I'm like, yeah, it's going to matter. It might matter one day. You got to run off the field, you know, just telling uh, you know, telling different guys to run off. But uh, he, he's going to be a real good player. I'm, I'm excited to see what, uh, what he does. As you can see, he's really starting to take a position of leadership on the defense coming into year two. Now, Young also made a little bit of news today. I don't think if any of us, I don't think any of us knew it. I certainly didn't know this last year. I don't think anybody else did either. Uh, despite the impressive rookie season that he had, believe it or not, he came into last year banged up before week one. Yeah, so, you know, even going back, going into my uh, rookie year, um, I had pulled, I had did something to my hip before um even the first game so even going into the eagles uh game uh my head was messed up and then my my groin uh had messed up the you know, had pulled in the browns game probably because my hip and nobody knew about my hip um but i feel like my biggest thing this year is coming into the season um just 100 percent healthy not worry about everything and you know when you're 100 healthy that it just helps with your uh, mental um, and it, it just helps you play faster. Just, just knowing, having that confidence, you can do whatever you want on the field. Something so none I of us really knew don't think I don't going into last year. Uh, I think it is safe to say it's looking real, real good for Chase Young right now, and I expect to see him take that, you know, that step up here in his sophomore year. Also sat down with Ron Rivera. Lots of stuff to talk about there, uh, including, of course, first the first question that was asked. Uh, you know, not having Chase out there for the voluntaries. It, it wasn't as if Chase wasn't working out. It, it wasn't as if Chase didn't stop in every now and then and work out with the fellas. So that, that's one thing. And, and I know he's in constant contact with his, his coaches and his teammates. I mean, he, he's, he, he's got things that he's doing. I understand that. I respect that. And that's the big thing that we try to make sure everybody understands. It, it is voluntary. I mean, we'd love to have you here, but it is voluntary. And, and each guy has to take care of themselves and do their things the right way. So, you know, with Chase, it's it's one of those things. He had he had a full plate a couple of times, and we just couldn't get him out here. So that's ball. But uh, you know, the mandatory thing here, he's here. He's doing the things that he needs to do. He's in great shape. He's working hard. His teammates respect it and appreciate that. I think it it sounds like Ron would still rather have had him there, but I think he's enough of a pragmatist to know that hey, this guy is the face of your franchise right now. He is one of the league's rising stars. And so it's just not going to be possible. The same way you're not going to have Tom Brady at, uh, you know, some of the voluntary workouts in the offseason. 
the same way you're well no i guess aaron Rodgers. that would not be a uh, that wouldn't be a good comp right now we also asked ron about a couple of the position groups first up wide receivers how they look please very pleased i really am i mean as i said I'm very happy with what we've done as a football team and, and i think all the positions came in with you know, a lot of competition a lot of guys competing with one another um but but i am pleased with what we've gotten from the the receiver group because one of the things that we we did um on purpose you know thinking about it was trying to increase the team speed um you know, we did that through free agency in the draft and some of our guys from from last year who've really stepped back up into into their roles and are doing a great job i mean it, this is a very competitive position it really truly is and you know, we're, we're, we've got some tough decisions to make uh, as a whole and, and with that position in particular. When you talk about the competitiveness at that position, when does the, the clock start ticking for you guys on, all right, are we going to keep six? Are we going to keep seven? How do we have to make this puzzle pieces fit? Um, we're already talking about that uh, and, and, and not just about that particular position, but we've talked about all the positions. You know, it, it is early, you know, because we still haven't, done anything in terms of uh, training camp practices or, or, or games. Um, but, you know, as we look at it, we try to figure out how we can we fit these pieces into the puzzle. And then the offensive line and how specifically the O-line looked going up against that elite D-line. Footwork, um, hand placement, um, body position and posture. Um, and how do they finish? They're finishing in a, in a, in a football position, you know. Um, those things are important. And, and, and you can you can work those types of techniques, um, you know, without slamming into each other and, and, and leading with your head and all that stuff. I mean, now's the time to work on your technique. Now's the time to work on your footwork. You know, some some guy may do something and, 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 and some else. But what you want to see is just these guys moving properly, using good technique, you know, staying in good football positions. So those things are important. And with regards to the uh, left guard spot, obviously, Wes Schweitzer finished off last year. You guys add Eric Flowers. I don't know if Sadiq Charles is in there. What, what are you kind of seeing so far from, from that group? And what do you kind of hope to see, uh, you know, going in, into the season? I think it's a very competitive position. I think all of our positions up front are, are very competitive. You know, we, we've got a lot of good depth in there. You know, uh, I really what we like what we've gotten from Chase and, um, and Brandon, you know, as, as far as that group is concerned, very solid. Uh, Cornelius Lucas came back in, in great shape, a great mental frame of mind to compete at the right side. Um, you know, Sam Cosme is a guy we drafted who's done a very solid job there. I, I like what we're we're getting from 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 uh, Wes and Eric at the left guard position. I think that's that's outstanding. And then the left tackle has been you know solid with uh, with Charles Leno getting in here and, and getting an opportunity to work. And you know, we throw Sadiq in there once in a while. I mean, it, it, it's a good mixture of, of young and veteran players that are that are really developing and, and helping to solidify our offensive line for us. And there you have it. That's uh, pretty much all that he had to say. And as you might expect, and as you have come to learn from Ron, there's not a whole lot that he is going to say in these gaggles. Um, it's just, it's mostly coach speak, and you kind of have to read between the lines. But it is good to see the team back out on the field. That is going to do it for us. Mick and the clock on the wall say we got to get out of here. Don't forget, uh, you can see, you can catch us at sportsjourney.com as well as the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, and wherever fine podcasts are sold. Have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Remember, like the wise man once said, if you're on your bike tonight, as always, you are white. <laughs> <laughs>